Hi, I'm Patricia Quinn, Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and check out Gruesome Herzog and John Gilling. Woo! Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? Take me home. What, what? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? This is John Gilling with my co-host Gruesome Herzog and tonight we have a very, very special guest, A. Michael Baldwin. Hello, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Gruesome? Doing fantastic. A. Michael Baldwin, thank you for coming on. Yes, yeah, a pleasure. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. Our opening question, as it usually is, is... Um, how you actually got into film work in the beginning? Uh, well, um, basically, my parents were both in the business. I come from a you know family of uh, people in the entertainment business, and my dad, uh, Gerard Baldwin, was a uh, animation director and producer. And I started doing voiceovers as a seven-year-old for cartoons that my dad was working on. And uh, the first film to talk about would be uh, Kenny and Company from '76. Could you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, it's an awful long time ago, but uh, basically, <laughs> um, you know, I went to uh, an audition, a cattle call with hundreds of other kids auditioning for a for a, a independent uh, feature, and met uh, Coscarelli and Paul Pepperman there, and auditioned for the role, got the job. That's excellent. Cool. Proceeded then to shoot the, the the film in the summer of gosh, maybe 1975 or something like that. Wow. And um, had a great, great time. It was a fun, fun time. I think I was in the sixth grade. Uh, one of your future, I guess you can say co-workers, um, Reggie Bannister, uh, ends, yeah. up, ends up working together later on, obviously the same director. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. All right. Reggie was, uh, he played the, the school teacher, Mr. Donovan, in the show, and so that's where I met, uh, met him so many years ago. And he had made... Um, 
a film previous to Kenyon Company with Coscarelli called Jim the World's Greatest. And so, you know, Don has uh, over the years collected his his troupe, enjoys working with the same people. So it's good for us. Uh, Chemistry-wise, it kind of, you already have a lot of that chemistry already. So... Indeed, indeed. You know, we're like a family. We everybody's known each other for many, many years, and so we get together, and uh, it's a pretty fun time. Uh, you was in the TV series Fantastic Journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a little bit about that? Um, well, uh, you know, I did quite a bit of television back in those days as a, as a kid, as a young actor, and that was one of the things that I did. And uh, you know, just a uh, episodic television in the seventies. Uh, I think Roddy McDowell was in that show. Yeah, Roddy McDowell. I don't think I had much of a part in there. Just, you know, a couple of lines, pretty small. Yeah, but I can tell you a TV series that I grew up as a kid watching is Eight is Enough. Yeah, I did several episodes of that show. And I love that show because, you, if you're, of course, you know this, but I, I can remember when the Karate Kid got big in 84, and then I realized that Ralph Macchio was in Eight is Enough a couple episodes. That was crazy. Then, yeah, right, right. I, I remember auditioning for the Karate Kid. I saw the most hilarious uh, kind of uh, music video spoof that he did. I don't know if you've seen this or not. It's really hilarious. He, he apparently is just like the nicest family man guy that you'd ever want to meet, you know, and he doesn't have, there's no controversy. He's not a drug addict. He's, he's just like <laughs> nice, normal guy. He does this very hilarious uh, sort of, you know, quasi-rap music video where he, he, all the people they, they have an inter, his family has an intervention that's the story of the video and they have an intervention because he, he's you know he's just not bad enough he's not dirty enough he's not crooked enough he's not fucked up enough to, to have a career so he tries to be bad he tries to be he tries to he tries to like you know hook up with hookers and he tries to do drugs it's very funny oh wow I'm sure it has a name a title or something that people could check it out but it's, it's hilarious just now touch on Phantasm um, did you have to audition for the part Michael no no I did not as I mentioned um, Don had uh, written that uh, part for me after we made Kenny and Company and um, I think Coscarelli had had watching watching Kenny and Company with audiences had enjoyed the uh, the scare factor in it there's a couple of moments in Kenny and Company where audiences leapt out of their seats a little bit and he really dug that a lot, so he, he ended up writing Phantasm, and um, we had uh, worked well together, so obviously um, we did it again. It didn't take long, a couple of years later, and all of a sudden we were working together again making Phantasm. While you was making it, um, was there any idea that you was making something that was just a little bit different? Uh, not really. I mean, people often ask, did you know you were making something that would have such, you know, such long-lasting legs? But no, you know, you never really know what 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 things are going to turn out like. Um, I think that uh, I know that when I saw a screening with an audience finally in in L.A. back in '79 when it finally came out, I can remember being surprised that people were laughing. You know, like that there was comedy in it. I, I had been convinced we were making a straightforward, serious drama. <laughs> so as I watched the movie as a 14-year-old, I can remember being kind of being kind of pissed off that people were laughing. I was like, oh, they're laughing? What? This is a comedy? I didn't get it. <laughs> um, was it fun to make? It looks like it must have been fun. Well, it took a long time. It took about, probably took about a year. You know, we, we shot mostly on the weekends and stuff. So yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun. 
it was a good time, definitely. Making movies is challenging, but fun, yeah. Now, um, I think from one of the, in Phantasm, the two characters that I've seen kind of reminds me of like this little uh, Jawas from Star Wars um, when you're going through the cemetery and uh, you took yeah. a spin on your motorcycle and uh, and then you are running you were getting chased by those two little things in the brain in the little brown outfits I thought that was so cool a different style of uh, creature per se well, you know, people ask often, well, isn't it, uh, weren't you scared or isn't it uh, scary to uh, to make a scary movie, whether it's Angus Grimm popping out from a window or whether it's, uh, you know, little, little uh, Jawa-like dwarves chasing you. And, right. you know, filmmaking is a very slow process. It's right. very technical. There's lots and lots of waiting around. There's, you know, you have to do the same scene over and over again. There's There really is a fair amount of actual... Uh, Acting involved. Yeah, right. right. At least pretending. Right. So, you know, it's not ever really scary. The only time it gets scary, uh, per se, is you're doing, uh, you know, doing stunts and stuff or doing things when things that might be possibly dangerous. That's scary in just a normal way. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mean, obviously I knew that answer, but it's, I mean, now you were going to public school or were you at a private school? Public school, okay. Los Angeles Unified. Okay, now, your classmates. Now, here's a good question I guess I can ask you. I don't know if, if your classmates were allowed to see it, I mean, because of the age and all, but the ones that did see it, did they ever come up with you with some stupid questions, being that they don't understand the film industry? You know, I had already been in the business for a long time by the time Phantasm came out. Right. So, and I grew up in a part of Los Angeles that is really kind of more like a small town than being in the city, really. It's kind of the foothills of L.A., you know. So the town that I grew up in uh, is called Tahunga, and I, I went to school with all the people that I went to school with from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And so I'd been working already for quite a long time and been on television, so people weren't surprised. People knew that I worked in the business. And since it's in Los Angeles, there were other people in my school that worked also okay. in the entertainment business. So it wasn't all that unusual. Um, did people come up to me and ask me questions? No, not really. Really? It really didn't. That's crazy. Um, you know, Phantasm did get a regular theatrical release, as you know, and there certainly were um, TV ads for it at that time, and uh, people talked to me more about that than anything else. Like, oh, I saw your your movie ad on TV last night or something like that. But, yeah, it's an R-rated film, and at that time, a pretty, R, pretty hard R, too. So, yeah, you know, it seems tame now. When you watch it now, it seems tame compared to, to what... Uh, what is acceptable, but back then it was pretty. It was pretty hideous. <laughs> so my, most of my friends did not get to go see it. You know, some of them did, but not very many. Okay. Um, can we briefly touch on Phantasm Two? You can touch on okay. anything you want, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Uh, for some reason, you didn't appear in Phantasm Two. Who made the decision on that? Universal Studios made that call, and what a mistake it was. I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, that is the only Phantasm film that was made using with a studio, and so uh, because of that, Costarelli didn't really have control um, over the uh, over the choices, and so you know they didn't want to cast me, and that was that. Bummer. But, but you, but you did audition for the part. I had to audition for it and didn't get the job. So at the time, it was pretty devastating. It was a real drag. But mm. 
You know, I'm not the first actor who didn't get a job he thought he should have got. No. <laughs> I believe, um, this might not be true, but I believe that Brad Pitt also auditioned for Phantasm yeah, 2. Yeah, that, that is true. And he didn't get the yeah. part either. He didn't get the part either, that's exactly right. <laughs> I have actually had a conversation with Brad about that subject, and uh, he told me that that was the very first audition that he went on when he first came to town. Oh, wow. And he didn't get the part. Um, and he didn't do, get you the part. do you recognize it as a dip in the Phantasm franchise? It, it doesn't stand up to the quality of one, three, and four. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I hate that fucking movie. You know? On the one hand, that movie caused me a lot, Phantasm 2, caused me a lot of freaking headache and heartache. You know, at the time, it was, it was very devastating to not get that job. It was, it was a real drag. To know that my friends were off making the movie and I wasn't involved was horrible. So I really despise that film in, in every way. However, I also recognize that a lot of people were introduced to the whole Phantasm world through that movie because it was universal release. It actually had a theatrical release, and a lot more people saw that movie than ever saw the original Phantasm. You know, a whole ten years had gone by, so an entirely new audience came to Phantasm via Phantasm 2 and a lot of people really love that movie but it, they certainly had a much 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 bigger budget so you know I get it the the thing that comes to my mind if I can just briefly touch on that is if they wasn't going to have you in in the film why didn't they just take your character out go to another town and j just set it up can you understand what I mean completely yeah I don't, I don't know the answer no so idea think, no idea that that really, uh, made more sense was you happy to come back for uh, Phantasm 3 because number 3 is my favourite uh, I was happy to come back for sure um, you know it was a little bit bittersweet but because uh, by that time I mean wow it had been a whole lifetime had gone by for me yeah. I was a full grown adult by the time Phantasm 3 came along so you know I was happy to come back and you know, make the movie. We had a good time. And it, it definitely has some it has some good comedic moments, but it definitely has some scary moments as well. Uh, at the it's beginning, the fun, it's, you, the, it's the most comedic of the, of the film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, near the opening, when you're in the bed and with the nurse, when she's on the floor, and the sphere comes out of her head, <coughs> and it goes towards Reggie, and it goes, woo! <laughs> Sorry, sorry for my impersonation, but that makes me laugh. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it, it looked like a lot of fun. Um, on number four, uh, you come aboard as a producer. How did that come about? Um, well, then, another decade had gone by, you know, and Don approached me and wanted me to, to star in the film, and I really wasn't all that keen on the idea. I just didn't, didn't think that it... I just didn't really want to do it too much unless there was some other reason to do the film and producing the movie was the other reason so basically uh, you know we negotiated a deal and then I was suddenly producing the film and producing the movie and starring in the film at the same time was um, much more interesting for me and uh, uh, a very challenging task as well Did you enjoy producing? Yeah yeah I did I, 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 I enjoy producing now I, I own a production company here Right. in Austin where I live and um, we produce all kinds of projects and so you know most of my experience over the in my adult life is behind the camera not in front of it so I enjoy it very much 
So do you enjoy producing over Epkin? Well, it's, a, it's just a compl- it's apples and oranges, you know, it's completely different, you know, and as an actor, you're using one sort of skill set, and um, producing is just a completely different, completely different beast. Right. But I enjoy them both, and the, the thing that I like about the filmmaking generally is just that it's a complex, you know, it's a big machine, it's a complex machine with lots of different parts that all have to coordinate somehow together, and uh, it's challenging, and I enjoy that part. Before we leave Phantasm, I've got to ask about Phantasm Five. Question is, I mean, does it does it make your head spin sometimes? The amount of times that you're asked about it. Yeah, uh, you know, people ask me all the time the same three questions. Basically, they ask me uh, why I wasn't in Phantasm Two. They ask me uh, when is Phantasm Five going to ever get made, and I don't know what the other third one is. But you know, it's just more or less it's the same same simple questions. So it's no big it's, it's no big deal. I can tell you this about Phantasm. I can tell you this uh, about Phantasm Five uh, coyly. You know, I have no information. I can neither confirm nor deny reports about the making of Phantasm Five. Folks will have to just uh, take that with a grain of salt. Michael, what you should do is get a little tape machine and tape yourself saying it, and then every time that someone asks, you can just click the button and it'll say it for you. But I could reason- do that, but people will be really hurt if I do that. Because every single person asks me as if it's none of these questions that have never been asked before. Yeah. Well, the, the reason that I bring it up is because, uh, obviously, I've tried to do a little bit of research. And I think, I'm sure that um, in two, 2011, that Tom, Don Coscarelli said that uh, a script had been written. Well, you know, I can say that... Um I really can't confirm or deny reports as to the existence uh, or development of Phantasm V, but um, I used to say quite confidently, hey, don't hold your breath. I don't say that anymore. <laughs> so I'll let, fans, I'll let fans take that for what it's worth. Right, right. And if it did, if it was to happen, uh, do you think that you would come back on board as a producer? Uh, I cannot answer that question. I think probably not at this stage. I'm far, far too busy with my own life to be doing that gigantic job. Okay, the last phantasm question then. If it does come about, would you uh, be happy to play the role of Michael again? Well, of course, that's what exactly what I would do. That would be the. I would be how. That's how I would be cast. Right. Cool. Right. Uh, we've got phantasm out of the way. Now you'd be relieved to know. Right, um, you've written a couple of books. Yeah, I have a uh, children's book coming out soon, early next year, I hope. What's that called? It's called Love Always Wins, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Just Pick Up After Myself. (laughs) I'll have to get a copy from our children. But uh, two previous books you wrote were, uh, I think it was Sleep Achiever and... The Real Billy Shears. The Real Billy Shears is a is a novel in pro- in process. Been working on it for a long time, and it is unfinished. And, and obviously, Sleep Achiever is a is a yeah, Sleep Achiever is a, 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 a little book that I wrote quite a long time ago. Now, however, a permanent part of the Getty Museum Center Special Collections Library. <laughs> cool. Um, if we can move on to Vice Scale, which you wrote. Oh, please! I wish we wouldn't, but okay. I produced Vice Girls with my buddy Richard Gabai. Richard is a writer, producer, director in Los Angeles, a working professional, as they say, and uh, this is many years ago. We were both uh, sort of uh, coming up uh, as producers and writers, and he asked me to um, 
he was working for uh, what's the name of that company? New Horizons, I think, at that time. Anyway, it's uh, Jim Wynorski's company, and he said, "Gosh, I've got this project. I don't have time to write this screenplay for it. Can you can you write a hundred page screenplay in ten days?" <laughs> and I said, "Of course I can." Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty impossible to write a hundred page screenplay in ten days, but. I ended up doing it, coming up with the first draft, and basically all I had was just that title. Vice Girls, that's the name of it. Go. It's a, you know, Chick Cops, They Catch a Killer, write a screenplay. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I, uh, I found that the only way to, to work so fast was to base these these three uh, female cop characters on... Uh, uh, well, at first I was writing, it was very difficult, and I was just kind of, you know, slugging along, and then all of a sudden I came up on the idea that, you know what I need to do? I really need to base these characters on some other fictional characters that I know really well and that way the dialogue will just flow very easily and under just what to do and that turned out to be a really great idea so I based these three characters in that movie on Kirk, Spock and McCoy of Star Trek well, I'm a huge Star Trek geek and so I was able to write dialogue for these three chicks all day long and then I was able to finish the screenplay very quickly the problem is that Richard, the director was not a Star Trek fan he was more of a dragnet guy so <laughs> When it came time to make the movie, he really didn't get the million Star Trek references that I had put in this in this cop screenplay. <laughs> and so, in my opinion, that's why the, that's why the movie is not a success because of because of that. Well, I admit <laughs> I saw it, and I admit oh, you did, and I admit that I like it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite an admission. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, that is a uh, you know there are A movies and B movies. That is a C movie. Yeah, well, I, I've reviewed a lot of D movies, and I enjoyed them, right. so, you know. Yeah, we I, sometimes, we sometimes watch E movies. I take a film for... <laughs> I take a film for what it is, and, uh, you know, I enjoy watching films, especially if it's low budget, medium budget, no budget. I just enjoy films, period. And Yeah, know, yeah I know what you mean, I, and I do, too. I, I appreciate that point of view, I really do. I think that's a, that movie we made for about $120,000 in 1997. Seven, yeah. So that's pretty low budget. Yep. I actually review zero budgets, and I just, like I said, I just, I enjoy the art of acting. I enjoy the the ability for people to make a film with no money and use the talent that they have, and they pull it off. It's accomplishment alone just to make a movie. So you're right. You're absolutely right. You're, it is. I, I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about Vice Girls. I, the making of the film was really fun. I had a great time doing it. So the actual memory of the process is, for me, is great. I, it's super fun. I had a great time. You know, I got to write that character, Trelane, for myself. Trelane is a character in a Star Trek episode of old Star Trek, and I played him like a fop, you know, just like, this, just like, a, like the Star Trek episode that I loved so much. But the producers of the movie, they hated it. They hated me. They just wouldn't even talk to me anymore. They just, these guys actually thought they were making that we were making a serious crime drama. That was the funniest part is that I had written this comedy, oh this total Star Trek spoof comedy. But these guys that were funding the movie, they really sort of I guess they believed that they were making a real crime movie. Wow. <laughs> so by the time they were looking at dailies and watching the film, they were so freaking pissed off. And they were especially mad at <laughs> me. <laughs> wow. Which was annoying to me, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Well, the, the next film, you're probably going to be uh, holding your stomach again. 
Uh, Virtual Girl 2, Virtual Vegas 2001, you're the same buddy, Richard yeah, Gabba. Yeah, yeah. Gabba. Yeah. Tell the listeners. I don't what. think I've even seen, I don't think I've even seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what do I play in? I'm mean, like a doctor or something, right? Just one scene, right? You have Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson, which of course is my character's name in Phantasm. I picked that name. Can we move on to a film that gruesome scene? Unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to see it yet, and that's Brutal. Yeah, of course. Yeah, brutal. Very brutal. Anyways, hey, Michael, uh, you contacted me a little while ago about getting a screener and watching this film. And yeah. uh, Michael Patrick Stevens, we communicate back and forth. Um, this film here... Uh, has Alan Howarth, you know, from the Halloween. He has some music made for this film. And to watch you, if it's wi- is it widespread release now or not yet? No, it is not, does not have a release at all yet. So okay. I would I would not you know, give out any right. spoilers if I were you. It's really easy to spoil. Yes, it is. Yep, but fine. to see your performance in there, um, it's a great performance for you, Mike. Thank you. Michael, excuse me. But, uh, you know, the music is cool. The, the, the plot line is cool. And... Uh, yeah, like I said, I can't really say too much about it. But I do want to thank you again. I said in the review, uh, I gave you thanks for uh, hooking me up with the screener. Sure, eh? my pleasure. You know, no problem. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, I did. The, the developments with the film are kind of interesting. You know, they've been uh, going back and forth with various distributors trying to trying to get a deal going, and there's lots of uh, interest for distributors, and they're just trying to get the best deal that they can. Um there's a there's a chance that we're actually going to go back and uh, and reshoot some parts. Um, it looks like there's a chance they're going to get a little bit of money pumped into the movie and uh, and uh, improve it. So I look forward to that happening. Yeah, you you did play a character of Carl Gibson. Correct. The man, the myth. <laughs> it was fun. It was a hard shoot. It was difficult to be. Uh, Strapped to that uh, torture chair for most of the shoot. It was tough. Yeah, exactly. I just finished. Uh, I just wrapped, by the way, on another movie. I just did uh, a bunch of days on a film called The Pickaxe Murders Three. Yes. And that's... this is an homage. This film is an homage, written and directed by a guy named Jeremy Summerall. Yeah, I know who he is. And he is a he's a huge horror fan and real aficionado. He's one of these guys that just knows everything about horror movies from every decade and. Uh, kind of a wealth of information about this kind of stuff and he has written sort of a love letter to 80s horror and um, is making the film making the feature so uh, uh, Tiffany Shepes and I just spent a week together shooting uh, shooting our parts and we had a really really great time yep I know Jeremy definitely cool is there anything else that you have going on that uh, you're allowed to speak of well, I have, you know, just multiple projects in different stages of development here. Um, some of them are features, other, other, other things are television. Um, there are other writing projects, of course, that are ongoing. I own a, uh, a uh, publishing company here, and so we're, we're uh, publishing uh, children's books with sports uh, celebrity authors. That's our little niche, and so we're doing quite well with that. We just published Dennis Rodman's children's book, which was the most publicized and talked about children's book of the last 18 months. It's called Dennis the Wild Bull. Hmm. And uh, that was a trip to, to work with Dennis Rodman over the course of the two years it took to get that project completed. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you came on. 
Thank you. Uh, Glad to be here. Really yeah. appreciate uh, really appreciate it. Uh, regularly attend the horror conventions or not? Yeah, I do. I usually probably do maybe two or three per year. All right. So cool. that be um, my last question is always my last question. Uh, favorite horror film? The Shining. <laughs> that is brilliant. Say something gruesome. I'm not. <laughs> Say something. Why? He can't. He hates that movie, or what? I don't hate it. It's just boring now. Watching it now is boring. But everybody has said that movie at least six times. Six guests. <laughs> well, listen. Here's the thing. You know, Stanley Kubrick is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. There are very, very few. This is not just not my opinion. This is just this is just standard information. There are very few filmmakers that have been ever born that are as good as that guy, and that raised the level of cinema to art. But right. he's one of those guys. Right. He's one of those guys, and and The Shining is a very terrific movie. I'm not saying every single one of his films are, are genius, but that movie is freaking terrifically good. It doesn't matter that it's a whether it's a horror genre or not. It just doesn't even matter. It's a it's standing all by itself as a very fine film. I love that movie. Following up from The Shining, because I always ask this, have you seen the documentary to Room 237? No, I have not. It's, it's out now, and it's uh, different to people's opinions as to the underlying themes that are in The Shining. It's, it's a fascinating watch. Cool. That sounds good. I'd love to watch that. So, I just thought Gruesome knew I was going to bring that up anyway. <laughs> once, once we mentioned the Shining. Well, Gruesome, let me ask you this: I've been put on the spot and asked by John what my favorite horror movie is. Gruesome, what's your favorite horror movie? You got only, you only pick one. Be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And my All second right. favorite would be The Exorcist. The Exorcist is probably my second. And John's favorite is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and his second favorite is what? Uh, the Exorcist. Yeah, the same. I'd have to say the same. I'd like to say the Shining, but I can't move away from The Exorcist. <laughs> I can and remember um, seeing The Exorcist when it came out as a kid. I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was 12 or something, whenever that came out. And I got into that theater somehow, and I was so terrified. By the end of that movie, I, I couldn't get out of my chair. I was completely freaked out. I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, don't even don't even start. Don't even go in there. I'll start to pee my pants right now if you start going there. Well, and you know what? I never saw the movie again. I never was able to return to that movie. I couldn't see it again. I couldn't watch it. I didn't want to think about it. It's just wow. like, it really freaked me out. Yeah. You you never made saw a, it again. You made a big mistake going that little, that young, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Huge mistake. But anyways, thanks for coming on. You're 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 a good dude and, and a fun fun guy to talk with. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, yep. really appreciate you a lot. Cool. Thanks, uh, guys. Send no me problem. the link. Yeah, I will. Take care. So long, fellas. Bye. See ya. Bye. Cheers. Bye.